Hello and welcome to The Coping Toolbox, a child psychology podcast hosted by clinical psychologists Dr. Layla Dan Osman, Dr. Mary Simray McDonald, and Dr. Jennifer Vrend. We hope that this podcast helps parents, children, and teens learn new coping skills in dealing with their stress and anxiety and to help strengthen relationships in their lives. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Coping Toolbox. I'm Dr. Jen, and I'm joined today by my co-hosts, Dr. Layla and Dr. Mary. Today, we're going to be talking about resilience. So to start off with, I thought we should talk about what resilience is. So resilience is the ability to adapt to difficult or challenging life experience. It's having the emotional and behavioral flexibility to adjust to both the internal and external demands. I think it's important to know that resilience isn't a fixed trait. So we're not born resilient, but it's something that we develop. And what we wanted to do today was talk a little bit about ways to create and build resilience in our children. So Dr. Layla, you could start by telling us a little bit about one tip for building resilience in kids. Sure. So on the most basic level, I think one of the best things we can do in order to foster resilience in our children is to provide them with a stable caregiver, especially early in childhood. Um, So we know providing children with stable and loving um, caregivers can help them build their resilience. It really helps them to build their sense of security and safety in the world and provide them with emotional support um, during difficult times. Um, There's been a lot of research in the attachment world that shows that this reliable presence of at least one supportive attachment figure is important, especially in the early years of life. And this doesn't necessarily have to be a parent, but it can also be a grandparent or another involved caregiver, um, an extended family member, for example, or perhaps a positive uh, teacher in the child's life. These relationships provide scaffolding and buffer against challenges and contribute to this sense of resilience. So on a very basic level, Dr. Jen, you know, really providing them with that stable caregiver is one of the best things we can do. And just to add on to what Dr. Layla is saying, um, when it comes to these caregivers in children's lives, it's also really important to help them to know that it's okay to ask for help. Um, So helping them to understand that they don't always have to tackle things on their own and that sometimes being brave and being strong can actually mean knowing when to ask for help. Um, And often we talk to our kiddos about thinking about working together as a team. So kind of coming at things from this team approach and considering all of the different members of the team. So we might think about like our family members and our teachers um, as being part of our team. This kind of approach really helps to give us a stronger sense of being supported and helps us to work together instead of feeling like we're working against each other or like we're tackling things on our own. That's a really great point, Dr. Mary. And uh, just to build on that, this idea, I know I've talked about this a lot, but the idea that, you know, it's a real strength to actually ask for help and be able to ask for strength for for help. And uh, I also think as parents, it's really important to to model this. And, you know, as a parent, even when we're having a difficult time or having a hard time, knowing that it's okay to ask for help and that it's a sign of strength rather than a sign of weakness is quite important. 
along those same lines, just modeling resiliency for our kids is really good. So, you know, even though sometimes it might not feel like it, these kids really look up to us and they're watching what we do and they want to be like us. And so keeping in mind that they're keeping an eye on us is really important. And we often use, and I'm sure we've talked about it before, but we talk about the oxygen mask analogy. So if you haven't heard it before, this is that the idea. So when you get on a, if you've ever been on a plane before, when you get on a plane, one of the first things that the flight attendant says before, before takeoff is that when you're putting on your oxygen mask, you have to make sure that yours is secure before you help your child. And I fully believe this. I really think it's so important that we're looking after ourselves and modeling this resilience for our kids. And so self-care and, and just letting our kids know that it's okay to take care of ourselves is really important. And then they see that it's okay to really work on that self-care. I really find those things important. Along those lines, too, um, I've talked to a lot of families about trying to come up with a quote with their child that really can help with resilience. So the quote could be something like, I am enough, I have grit, I'm doing my best, something like that. And these kind of quotes can be really great. They can open up really good opportunities where, you know, the child might catch you when you're having a tough time and they might say, you know what, mom, you're enough or you're doing a really good job or whatever the quote might be. And the kids can actually bring it in. And it's so it's teaching them and it's also teaching them how to be helpful and how to care, but also reminding them how to care for themselves. That's a really great point, Dr. Jen. And I think along those lines, um, just elaborating onto the next step, parents, you know, they play such an, a significant role in influencing their children in the way that they model um, positive coping skills. Um, and, you know, also in the way that they respond to their children's um, needs or concerns, right? So this idea of nurturing optimism as parents and helping them reframe when they're struggling. Um, so this is not the same thing as invalidating their feelings. So of course, you know, as parents, we want to first listen to our children's feelings, validate them, normalize them, right? That's a really important step. Um, it's okay to be upset. It's okay to be frustrated or sad, um, but then step in and help them um, consider a different perspective. So perhaps it's one that's more positive or more realistic, um, but to look at the situation from different perspectives and helping them and modeling that for them, right? In that situation. Um, also really um, explaining and teaching them that it's okay to make mistakes. Um, we all make mistakes. Nobody is perfect. Um, every child uh, makes mistakes, and that's a way that we grow and a way that we learn. So actually making mistakes is positive, right? It's it's a, uh, an opportunity for growth. Yeah. Um, but children often don't like that feeling, right? And I think there's uh, a discomfort there. So normalizing that discomfort of making mistakes and, and viewing it from a positive perspective is really important. Um, and then this other tip is helping your child remember previous times where they were struggling um, and how they handle that difficult situation and that if they did it once before, they can do it again or they can apply the same skills they've used before in this new situation. So parents can really help scaffold, they can help problem solve and consider different solutions to problems um, for their children or with their children uh, side by side with them. Um, and also help remind them that these challenges are not permanent um, and not across the board. They're really specific and temporary problems um, that will come and go, 
and you will find solutions together um, on how to make the situation better. So that's another way parents can not only model um, how to be more resilient, but also help their children uh, learn those skills and use those skills in the actual situation that comes up. I really like that point, Dr. Layla. And I think, you know, this idea of normalizing um, feelings, whatever those feelings might be before we go into making a plan or kind of looking at it from a different perspective and understanding we can start doing this when kids are really, really young. We can start talking about feelings. We can start you know, creating space for emotions, whatever they might be, even if they're hard feelings, and really trying to avoid saying things that invalidate those feelings or that are are negative. Um, Things like boys don't cry or, you know, just get over it, or even saying things like stop crying. Um, That doesn't allow us to create space for those feelings. So instead doing what Dr. Layla is talking about, where we create space and then we turn to um, focusing on a different angle or focusing on steps that we can take to address the problem is a really great way of approaching it. Hmm. And, you know, adding to that point and to what Dr. Jen was talking about before, there's a lot of research in the area of emotion regulation and child development. And we know one of the best ways or um, the most helpful ways parents can help their children is staying regulated themselves. So not just verbalizing and working through problem solving, um, using words, but also staying regulated in the situation and modeling that for their children is a tremendous, has a tremendous influence on children and how they handle difficult situations. So by that, Dr. Layla, when you're saying regulated, what, what are you talking about there? Yeah, that's a good question. So it could look different ways and, and parents are not perfect either, right? Like sometimes we do react um, when we're feeling stressed, but you know, it's always important to catch ourselves and then model how to regulate ourselves, right? So let's say we're, you know, something comes up in our day, our child is beside us watching, we get initially frustrated, and then we kind of perhaps want to model for our children, you know, talking ourselves through that situation. Okay, I was really upset. That really upset me. I'm going to take some deep breaths now. And I'm going to think about solutions here. I could, you know, solve this, this problem this way, but this would be the consequence, or I can solve this problem that way, this would be the consequence. Oh, I think I'm going to pick A over B right? So really verbalizing that and showing your child how you're going to work through that problem and how you're going to use coping strategies like, um, you know, relaxation tools, which we've covered in other um, episodes, um, or how we're going to talk through the problem um, in order to regulate ourselves. But yes, generally speaking, the more regulated and calm we are as parents, the more regulated and calm our children are going to be. But it's also okay if parents mess up sometimes and make mistakes, as long as we recuperate from that and model for our children. um, how we're going to problem solve and calm ourselves down in that situation. I did. I really liked your point too, Dr. Layla, about just remembering that we all make mistakes. And I know even for myself, the quote, sometimes just making mistakes is human, right? Or humans are imperfect can be really helpful because sometimes we're so hard on ourselves for making mistakes. And I think even for me, it's helpful when I'm thinking, how do I model this in a positive way for my son? And just reminding myself, that it's okay to make mistakes and that I want to model that for my son as well, right? And let him know that it's obviously it's okay if you make mistakes, it's okay if I do too. And then we try and figure out how do we problem solve and how do we deal with the emotions that might be connected to the mistake that we made. 
Mm-hmm. I really like that modeling and, and having those discussions with kids from a young age, because we see it often with kiddos who are really quite young, where they are very hard on themselves and they don't want to mess up. And just talking about making mistakes as being part of the learning process, like like this is what we need to do to grow. There's nobody on the planet who doesn't make mistakes. I really like that, Dr. Jen. That's a good good point. This is something that's sort of similar, and we've talked about this in some of our other episodes previously, but something that can be very helpful with respect to building resilience is practicing as well as teaching self-compassion. And when we talk when we talk about self-compassion, we're thinking about things like being really gentle with ourselves, um, being understanding with ourselves when we make a mistake, as we were just talking about, engaging in that kind self-talk, maybe thinking about how we would speak to a loved one um, and using that same kind of language for ourselves when we're struggling with something like, you know, this is really hard, but I'll get through this. Um, we want to make a point to help kids learn how to care for themselves um, from a really, really early age so that they understand that that's very important. And nurturing ourselves, it gives us this message that we are worth it, that we're important, that we're valuable. It's it's a really important thing for us to do and for us to teach our kids. Um, We also want to help them learn to create space to enjoy themselves and to have balance in their lives. And doing that will help them in stressful situations as well, because they'll be better prepared to deal with difficult things that come up if they're living in a more balanced way and, you know, bringing in enjoyable activities as well. And this ties in so perfectly to what we were talking about a few minutes ago of modeling self-regulation, right? And and modeling self-regulation yeah. through self-compassion. And, you know, when parents make a mistake and are able to um, accept that in themselves and model that for their children, that is self-compassion, right? It's, you know, we're imperfect and it's okay. And you're teaching and modeling for your child um, that they can do the same when they also make mistakes and overcome them. Those are all really good points. I just, um, next, the next thing I wanted to talk about was uh, just in terms of our anchors that we've mentioned before on the podcast. So we've talked a lot before about the three anchors, which are exercise, sleep, and healthy eating. And those are also great ways to build resilience. And we have a fair amount of control. The reason I like to see these as anchors is that they're things that we typically have a fair amount of control over. Um, I say that carefully because I also know we all work with a lot of parents that have lots of difficulties with getting their kids to eat a balanced diet or getting them to go to sleep or getting them to sleep possibly on their own. Um, and incorporating exercise. But these are things where we can set the kids up for success. And that's really what we want to do in terms of building resilience is setting them up as best we can for success. So making sure that we have, you know, a regular bedtime, a time when they're regularly getting up, making sure that we have a sleep routine. I know we've done a couple of episodes already on sleep. So you're welcome to check those out for some ideas about sleep. Also making sure that they're engaging in physical exercise. And this is another great way where we can model it, right? So maybe we're going for a walk together after dinner or maybe doing some yoga or some stretching before bed, but we can kind of incorporate the modeling, the resilience in to some of these behaviors. And then of course, I mentioned the eating. So just trying to have some family meals and just trying to make sure that you're you're doing your best you can to get to make sure that your kids are getting right foods inside of them. 
And to add to that, Dr. Jen, um, this idea of having a good routine and structure for children, right? We're talking about this idea of self-regulation, uh, emotion regulation. Um, we know that kids really benefit mm-hmm. from having consistency in their routine and predictability. Um, so helping them develop that routine in their schedule. So, you know, when is it bedtime, you know, mealtime, uh, when is it time to study, Uh, When is it time to see friends and socialize and have fun, right? Um, Of course, it doesn't have to be perfect. Routines can have some flexibility built in as well. Um, But, you know, sometimes we do see, um, you know, some children with with routines that are all over the place, right? Bedtime one night is, you know, 7 p.m. and the next night is, you know, 1 a.m. if if there's a social function. And that's, you know, on a regular basis, not going to help your child be regulated, right? So we really want that routine uh, in place for them. The flip side of that argument is that we don't want to overschedule our children either, right? So having a healthy uh, routine, regular routine is really good, but we also don't um, need to overschedule them where they have, you know, extracurriculars five days a week, for example. Um, and I, I do I have noticed over the years, we see more and more of that happening, right? Where parents will enroll kids in, you know, three or four different extracurricular um, in, in one season. Um, but kids also need some time in their schedule for you know, downtime for self-care and for relaxation. So making sure that we don't overschedule them is another part of that healthy routine. I think too, when we're talking about this idea of self-care, these are all really great suggestions that you've made, Dr. Jen and Dr. Layla. I think it's also important to encourage kids to learn to recognize what their individual needs are as part of that self-care umbrella so that they're able to advocate for themselves and start honoring those needs. So an example of this might be something like a child recognizing that maybe they need a little bit of downtime after they've engaged in a lot of social interactions for the day um, because it's pretty taxing on them, or maybe noticing that an individual has a harder time coping with change. So that's something that we know um, we need to maybe take some little extra steps around. So kind of as part of that idea of self-care, also within that, looking at what our individual needs are, starting to become aware of those things and notice so that we can advocate for ourselves and honor those needs. I love that, uh, Dr. Mary, just making sure that they can start to recognize their needs. And to be honest, I think this is something as caregivers, we really have to work on too. Often we're not very good at sometimes identifying our needs, or maybe we can identify them and not follow through. And again, when we go back to the modeling, this is why it's so important to model resilience and self-care, right? So just with your children, making sure that there's certain needs that you have as a parent as well. And trying to meet those needs is really important. Another thing that I wanted to talk about was this, uh, as a parent, we often have this urge to rush in and save the day. And I think it's it's really tricky not to, when our, especially when our child is experiencing some, some challenging emotions, if they're quite upset about something, if they're sad, or if they're angry, what we want to do, or sometimes if they're anxious, we want to just make the emotion go away and fix the problem. And the issue with that is that it often will, short-term, it will fix the problem, but long-term, the child's not learning to cope with the issue. So for example, maybe at school, their friend said something not very kind to them, and they might be really upset. As a parent, if we say, oh, don't worry, I'm going to fix it, I'm going to call the person's mom, or I'm going to call the teacher, and I'll make sure it's fixed, and they'll never do that to you again. The problem with that is the child's not really learning, one, how to actually feel the emotion, 
and that it's okay to feel sad if your friend said something mean and that that's normal and that's expected. Um, and, and two, the child's not actually learning to problem solve. So it's really important when our kids are upset to actually, we call it ride the wave. So let them feel the emotion, let them feel sad, let them know that that's okay and that's understandable. And once they're starting to feel a little bit better, what we want to do is really try to work with them and come up with some ideas. What can we do the next time this happens? Or maybe what's something we can say to stand up for ourselves and try and, you know, guide them and you're there for them and you're supporting them, but let them come up with some ideas. And that's really going to help them to develop resilience. And I will just add, you know, to what you're saying, Dr. Jen, you know, this is all within the context of what's developmentally appropriate for the child, right? Younger children do often need a bit more involvement from parents and caregivers and teachers. And then, you know, it's it's specific to the child's individual needs, right? Like if you have a child who perhaps um, struggles with verbal skills and isn't able to communicate, you know, the situation clearly to teachers or at home, um, then it is uh, completely normal uh, and appropriate for a parent to be um, intervening on a, on a higher degree or to a higher extent. Um, but as the child ages, for sure, um, taking a step back, and if the child has the skills in order to problem solve and um, the opportunities, allowing them more independence in that problem solving process, I think is is really important. That's a really, I'm really glad you brought that up, Dr. Layla, because for sure, and we really want, we always talk about those baby steps right? So we're not going to have our child, you know, when it's the first time they've experienced something extremely difficult, basically saying, you know, like it's you going through the emotion and then having them figure it out on their own. But that's where I really think that that support is so important and being there, being with them, allowing them to feel whatever they need to feel, and then trying to come up with a bit of a plan. And like you say, the parent's going to be a lot more involved if the child's young compared to if it's an older teenager. But over time, what you want to do, and as your child gets older and matures, is being able to allow them more and more of that independence. But very good point, Dr. Layla, just making sure that they have the support that they need, particularly when they're younger, or if there's other challenges, like you say, maybe they're not verbal or things like that. The next um, tip that we have for helping children build resilience is this idea of helping them develop um, connections and a social network, um, a strong social network, that is. So helping provide your child with opportunities to um, connect with more peers or more, um, you know, healthy social relationships, getting them involved in extracurricular activities, like we mentioned, um, and you know, building on their hobbies and their interests where they can meet some peers at the same time with similar interests. Um, these are all ways that we can help increase their social network. And, and we know from the research um, that having a healthy and supportive social network really helps to build um, happiness in all our lives and, and make our children uh, more resilient in different situations. That's great. And one more tip that I just wanted to add was that it can be really helpful to teach our kids to set goals that they can work towards. And we've talked about this a little bit throughout the episode, but this idea of actually establishing goals, it can help to create motivation for us and it can help us to move forward if things are challenging or difficult. Um, the other thing that it can do is to create a sense of purpose for us. And this is something else that 
that can help to build resilience. Um, we can do this with big things or with small things. So for example, we might learn to break down our work tasks into small, um, more achievable steps, but we also can do this with broader goals. So it might be around connecting to things in our life that we value. So maybe if we really value social connections, like Dr. Layla was just talking about, um, it can be helpful to actually establish goals around this. So for example, maybe making a plan to spend special time with a family member or with a friend every week. Um, so we can set these goals in this kind of more broad way um, or around things that are a little bit smaller on a daily basis, but it can really help to build resilience and give us that sense of purpose. And especially, you know, I think in terms of all of the things we just talked about, as you were talking about kind of these small steps and setting goals, we're talking about a lot of different ideas today. And as a parent, you might feel a bit overwhelmed with, oh, like I need to work on this and this and this and this. But, you you know, we've talked about it before. The baby steps is so important. Right. And even listening to today's discussion, I think it'd be a great idea to maybe choose one or two things and just think about, you know, maybe I'm really going to work on uh, teaching my child self-compassion or I'm really going to work on modeling some of these behaviors that we've talked about or I'm going to work on the sleep routine. But just choose one or two small things and start there. And it's really nice when we do this stepped approach is that you start to feel success pretty quickly and then you're ready to move to the next step. And again, I think it's just, it's a great opportunity for the modeling that we've been talking about. So you can do the stepped approach and feel confident and feel comfortable, and then maybe move to some things that might be a little bit more challenge, challenging for your home or your family. So thanks so much, Dr. Layla and Dr. Mary. I think these are some really great ideas about building resilience and keeping in mind, we're all just doing our best, right? So like we suggested, maybe choose one or two small steps to work towards. And hopefully that will be helpful in terms of building your own resilience as well as that of your children. So again, thank you very much. And uh, we thank all of our listeners and we will have some links and resources attached to our note page. And um, we look forward to talking to you at the next episode.